So I want to preach a message to you today. This problem has potential. Turn to someone next to you, jump on the chat, and just type those words out. This problem, say it with me, this problem has potential. One thing that makes all of us have something in common is that we all have problems. Whether you live in China or you live in Tulsa or you live in Australia, whether you're rich or poor, we all have problems. We all have problems. How many got some problems this morning? <laughs> some problems, some things that aren't worked out yet that you're kind of thinking, how, is this, how are we going to get through this? Whether it's problems in your home, problems in your family, problems in your marriage, problems in yourself, you got a problem with you, <laughs> you got some issues, you're like, I don't like me. There's some areas that I'm, I've just got some problems in my life. Uh, some of us have problems in our finances, problems um, at, at work, problems with our boss, problems with people. <laughs> That's a lot of us. But you know, I was thinking about this show that came on and God began to birth this message in my heart really 10 weeks ago at the start of this pandemic. And there was this show that kind of became famous during the pandemic, not Tiger King, uh, but a different show called The Last Dance. And I, I didn't watch The Last Dance, but I started hearing about it from all my friends. They were like, oh, you gotta watch it, you gotta watch it. And I was a huge fan I got my basketball with me this morning. I was a huge fan of Michael Jordan growing up. So the whole show is about Michael Jordan. And it's about his final season with the Bulls, the Bulls. And it's all about what made Michael Jordan the greatest of all time in the NBA. And there is no debate, Michael or LeBron? Michael, come on, Michael. So Michael Jordan, the whole show is about what caused him to become great at basketball? And it's interesting because they said, in all these articles I was reading, they said, Michael became great because he made rivals out of everybody. He would go to a game and he would pick someone and he would find someone and make them his enemy. And he became great because he, he dealt with problems with such an adver like this perseverance against adversity. Michael needed adversity in order to become great. That's what they said. They said when the Pistons beat the Bulls in the late 80s, it caused Michael during offseason to get so strong to go into the weight room, to work out, to work hard, to gain some extra weight, gain some muscle mass, so that when he would come back, he would come back with this vengeance and he would beat the Pistons and lead the Bulls into championship after championship. And they said what caused Michael to get better is the fact that he had problems, people that were better than him caused him to want to get better. I think without problems, we don't grow. If you don't have adversity, then you get stuck in complacency. If you don't have a problem to deal with, you get comfortable with your life. I, I grew up, I loved basketball growing up. My dad got us a goal, got me a ball. Me and John would play as kids. We would fight and, and foul out and all that stuff. And uh, we grew up on a movie that was on ESPN way back in the day called Pistol Pete Maravich. How many of y'all remember Pistol Pete Maravich? I'm not talking about Pistol Pete from OSU Cowboys. I'm talking about Pistol Pete, the basketball player, Pete Maravich. And the whole movie on ESPN, this came out in the early 90s, is about this little young guy um, who got bullied by these bigger guys. And they told him, you'll never make varsity. You'll never make varsity. And what it did was that problem with those bullies caused Pete to practice harder. And so he would go through his house and he would dribble 
and he would go between his legs and he would blindfold himself and then he'd walk on the railroad tracks and it was crazy. It was crazy watching. I, we watched that movie over and over and over and I would ask my dad, dad, can I be like Pistol Pete? And he'd be like, it's going to take a whole lot of practice, Paul. Can I make it to the NBA? All things are possible with God, Paul. It's going to take about 18 hours a day of you practicing, but it's possible. But he was right because anytime you want to do something that you don't have yet, it, it requires practice. We live in a society where we want everything to be fixed for us. We want God to fix all of our problems. We want the government to fix all of our problems. We need the government to fix this and fix that. They need to fix this. They need to fix that. And anytime there's a problem, we usually want God to just solve it immediately or we want the government to solve it or someone else to solve it. But what if that problem is an invitation for you to grow? What if that problem is not sent by Satan? What if that problem is to stir the hornet's nest inside your heart to say you are born to move in a greater capacity than you are walking in right now? And without a rival, you're stuck in complacency. Without a problem, you're stuck in your comfort zone. It was the problems and the rivals that caused Michael Jordan to go on and do great things. What's so crazy is, is there's a connection between some of the greatest athletes, some of the greatest um, history makers. I mean, even think about Helen Keller. Helen Keller, her name is known around the world, not because she had zero problems, it's because she turned a problem into a purpose for her destiny. When she started to lose her sight as a little girl, and then she lost her hearing, and then she couldn't speak. She became mute, she became blind, and she became deaf. And she turned all of those problems into potential to fulfill her God-given purpose. You think about other people in the world that have done some very bad things, some of the worst villains in the world, it's how they handled their problems. Because problems are universal. Problems are inevitable. But our response to those problems will determine the uninevitable, the unpredictable outcome, good or bad. So if you got a Bible, go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Come on. How do you deal with your problems? What do you do when you have a problem? Our church had a problem 10 weeks ago when we were told that we couldn't gather in person. And at first, I was kind of frustrated with that problem. But then I remembered as a kid, when I had a problem, what I would do was I would start to get creative and figure out there's a solution to this. There's something that God wants to teach me. Because your perspective about problems really does determine where you go with your life. If every problem for you paralyzes you, then you are missing out on the joy of life. Now, I don't run from my problems. I'm like, oh, God, you must be inviting me to grow. You must be inviting our church to improve. You must be wanting to teach us something new. There's a reason for this problem. There's a purpose for this problem. There's potential I haven't unlocked yet. And as our team started to pray, because problems will definitely turn you to your knees in prayer, problems will either send you to the wrong place or the right place, depending on how you handle those problems. And as we began to pray, we started to tap into potential as a church. And that is why today we celebrate 560,000 meals that we were able to give out during a pandemic. A problem turned into potential. Not only that, we were able to lead 12,000 people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, praying with them. We saw people get healed. 
All throughout the Bible, there were problems, and how people handled those problems would determine whether they would be used by God to do great things or whether they would self-destruct because they didn't know how to deal with their problems. So 1 Samuel chapter 1. You guys there? Let me give this to you. Daniel, Scotty Pippen, Dennis Rodman. Come on, we got the team up here. <laughs> 1 Samuel chapter 1. There was a certain man from Ramatham, uh, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. Elkanah. And Elkanah, in verse 2, had two wives. Now, don't get any ideas. That's not for, like, that was normal back then. That's not normal today. But it was normal. And one of his wives was Hannah, and the other one was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Now, that's a problem. Everybody say, that's a problem. But say, that problem has potential. What do you do when you don't have what someone right next to you does have that you want? What do you do in that? Year after year, verse 3, this man would go up to his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Let's stop right there. So back in those days, there were two things that really made a woman feel like she was just doing awesome. What made a woman feel successful? What made a woman feel significant? Number one, get married to a good man. If you got married to a good man, a wealthy man, a man who could provide for you, protect for you, and, and give you a house and, and have you know, stuff that, that makes your family feel provided for, protected, you were successful. Hannah had that. Her husband was wealthy. He had donkeys, he had camels. You know, that was the Tesla of the day. He had, he had all of the, he had wealth. He bought her shoes, he bought her earrings, he bought her everything, she wanted necklaces. But the second thing that made women feel very valuable and purposeful and significant is if they could have children. And in this case, Hannah couldn't. And no matter what her husband did for her, she was so fixated on that one problem have you ever had a problem that just frustrated you so much that none of the good things in your life really mattered unless that problem was solved? Who's been there before? Yeah. And, and, and you kind of forget about how blessed you are because you just get fixed on this one thing that you wish you had that you don't have. This is where Hannah's at. No matter how many shoes he buys or no matter how many earrings he gives or no matter what camel he brings home for, none of that matters. And watch what happens here. So he gives her this this uh, extra portion because he loves her and because the Lord had closed her womb, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, verse six, her rival, look at that, her rival. I think sometimes we sugarcoat the Bible. We go, well, you know, God's not into rivals. He's not into competition. That rival must have been sent from Satan. What we're gonna find out is this rival is the very reason that Hannah goes to her knees to discover she was born for more. Without a rival, you don't ever tap into that desperation to see if there's more on your life. 
I think sometimes we, we read into things and we go, no, nah, I don't think God would make things difficult for people just to get them to see him. I don't think God sends a virus, but I sure think God used this virus to wake up the church to say you were born to operate on a higher level. You were born for greater creativity than you are tapping into in 2020. I think God uses things to stir the hornet's nest inside you to say you, you have become complacent. You have given in to your dysfunctions. You've become comfortable with the deficiencies in your life. And I'm asking you to stir up your prayers, to stir up your faith, to contend and fight for a greater level of authority that you're supposed to walk in. So Hannah is listening to her rival. Look at this. The rival kept provoking her. That word provoke means to mess with, to irritate. We got three boys and one girl, and uh, man, when, when our fourth baby came and they told us it was a girl, I was like, praise the Lord, because our boys are rowdy and rough and loud and just kick me in the place where it counts all the time. So I'm like, Lord, give me a sweet, gentle little female in the <laughs> So we got three boys that are constantly wrestling with each other, and um, I, I was watching recently, our two older ones were messing with the younger one. Liam and Benny, they were messing with Mac. And they kept on, you know, messing with him. He was like, Ugh. he was growling at them. He was getting upset. <laughs> and uh, Liam and Benny, they were irritating him, just provoking him, right? Just provoking him. And then they turned their backs away from Mac. Well, Mac goes off into the living room, and he finds something that was, like, heavy. And I'm just watching this. Like, I'm drinking my coffee. <laughs> I'm not going to mess with this. I'm just letting these boys figure out life. Mac goes and grabs something while Liam and Benny's heads are turned. He just goes up and goes, boom, boom. And he goes, ha, 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 In other words, don't you provoke me anymore. I think some of us need to get back at the devil and say, you provoked the wrong church. You messed with the wrong guy. You stirred the net. You know, America did not get involved in World War II until they were provoked. America sat and watched as Hitler killed millions of Jews. And America said, it's not our fight. Now, I wasn't alive back then, but I, I read the history books and America was just watching as Europe was going through this crazy turmoil as Hitler was taking over Poland and Austria and setting up camps as he would go and kill Jews with just a complete insane racist discrimination, just crazy, and America was sitting until the Japanese dropped the bombs on Pearl Harbor. And, and, and that night, there was a word that was spoken. I fear all we have done is awakened the sleeping giant. And when America got involved, they stormed the beaches of Normandy. They went in there and began to liberate those that were in the concentration camps. There was an awakening. And I sense in the middle of this pandemic, the enemy knows he has awakened a sleeping giant in the church, in me, and in you. Oh, yeah, this problem has potential. This problem has a whole lot of potential. We're about to do things we've never done. When Michael Jordan did not make it onto varsity team his 10th grade year, that problem turned into potential. He began to work harder than all the other classmates. 
he not only proved he belonged on varsity, that he would start his junior year, then would go on to North Carolina. He would outwork his opponent. When you start realizing your problems are an invitation to grow, your problems are an invitation to tap into greater potential, that you are not operating on your highest level of capacity, that somehow you've been sleeping while other people are getting blessed, and finally you get provoked enough to say, God, I am ready for you to do something in me and through me and for me, for your glory. I want to be used for your purpose. I came to provoke some of you this morning. I came to stir the nest in you this morning. Some people are like, I don't like this. I'm going to the bathroom right now. I don't want him to provoke me. (laughs) So Hannah keeps getting provoked. Verse six, it says she would provoke her in order to irritate her. Could it be that the irritation is not from Satan? Could it be that the provocation, the irritation in your life is an invitation from God saying, come on, come on. I dare you to pray for greater. I dare you to break the limitations off your family. I dare you to get uncomfortable with the dysfunctions that you've been living with. So she's feeling irritated. And it says, verse seven, this went on year after year. This wasn't just one week. This was year after year. Penina would come in barefoot and pregnant. Just had another one. Did you see my trail? I, just, I got 10 babies over here. See, it wasn't Penina's existence that frustrated Hannah. It was Penina's blessing. There was a blessing on Penina that just frustrated Hannah. And what made it even worse is that Penina was experiencing a blessing in the same house that Hannah was in. Hannah couldn't make excuses because it was with the same man that Hannah slept with. So Hannah's watching Penina get pregnant and she's watching Penina have another one and another one. And, and, and her husband Elkanah saying, come on, I bought you shoes. I bought you earrings. I bought you a new camel. I got you more horses. And Hannah said, none of it matters. Because I'm watching someone get blessed in a way that I want to get blessed. I think God allows us to stand right next to people who get blessed, not to provoke us to envy or jealousy, but to provoke us to believe that God has something great for us too. I think God allows it. God says, Paul, if you didn't see that, if you didn't hear that, if you didn't feel that, If that didn't stir you, because I have stuff for you to do, and until you get stirred and provoked enough, if you stay comfortable in what you're doing, you're never going to fulfill the purpose I have for you. So I want you to see, I want you to understand that people are taking the same hand you've been dealt, and they're doing more with it than you are. Let that stir you up, that you are not maximizing your capacity and not stewarding the gifts I've put inside you. Let it stir you up that someone in the same house is seeing a blessing. Now listen, here's what I'm saying here. Some of us in this room are going, well, that, that, 
I don't think God would want us to get envious. I'm not saying envious. I think God wants you to contend for the faith. I think God wants you to contend for your purpose. I think God is more committed to your purpose than he is your comfort. I think God is more interested in your character than he is in your complacency. I think God wants you to grow. I think God wants you to fulfill every God-given dream he's placed inside you. And you can't do it sitting on the couch. You can't do it just watching Netflix all day, every day, asking God to fix all your problems. God will provoke you to stir you up, to say there is more inside you than you are using right now. There are more gifts. There's more potential. There's more capacity. There's more promises that you've not seen yet, but it's not going to just be handed to you in your lap without you praying, without you fighting for it, without you believing for it, without you taking steps of faith. So watch this. Hannah gets so frustrated year after year. So Hannah went to the house of the Lord. Where do you go when you got problems you can't solve? Where do you go? Do you go to alcohol? You go to pornography? You go to eating, binging on food, gluttony? Where do you go? Go to Brahms? I do sometimes. I just need a mint chocolate chip shake from Brahms ice cream store. But soon enough, you realize the ice cream can't fix it. The vices can't fix it. The alcohol can't fix it. The affair can't fix it. The other things won't fix it. Soon enough, you realize this is a problem that needs to be brought to the house of the Lord. So she brings her problem to God's house. Her rival provoked her, verse 7, her rival provoked her until she wept and she would not eat. Have you ever had a problem in your life that caused you to lose sleep, that caused you to stop eating? I did. I won't tell you what it was, but years ago there was a problem that I was so perplexed by, I was so frustrated with that I couldn't even eat. I, I lost my appetite. Have you ever been there where you lost your appetite over a problem? Could have been a relational problem, someone you were at odds with. It could have been a problem in your marriage, a problem in your family. It could have been a problem with your dad, with your son, with your daughter, a problem in your own health, a problem with your finances, a problem at work, watching one of your coworkers succeed and just irritating you, and you're trying to figure out, what do I do? So here she is, she can't sleep, she can't eat, she's weeping, and her husband in verse eight said, Hannah, why are you crying? Why won't you eat something? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? And Hannah's like, no. <laughs> I love you, honey, but I am lacking something that makes me feel so miserable and I don't know what to do with it. And so, verse nine, once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house, and in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord. My problems are an invitation to prayer, not to pout, but to pray. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. I'm so glad that I can come to God as I am. You don't have to come to God put together. You don't have to come to God with your makeup on and, and a nice outfit. You could come to church in your pajamas. No, I'm serious. You can come. Like, we're coming out of quarantine. Come as you are. Just wear something. But, just, but, but, but God says, just come. Come as you are. Come in your bitterness. 
It's not in it, like prayer is not this, hey, you better fix your problems before you come into your prayer closet. No, the prayer closet is where I fix my problems. The prayer closet is where I come with all of my issues, all of my junk, all my bitterness, all my problems. So it says she's weeping bitterly and she cries out to God and she doesn't say, oh, thou art good. No, she says, God, I need your help. God, I'm so frustrated. God, I've been crying out. I've been irritated. I've been provoked. And I don't know what to do about this. And you're the only one who can fix it. And it says, Lord Almighty, she says, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son. God, I want a boy. God, I want a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. And she kept on praying, she kept on praying, she kept on praying, she kept on praying. What do you do with your problems? You just keep on praying, keep on praying. And Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk, woman? Get your beer out of, the, out of the house of God. And she says, not so, my Lord. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have problems. <laughs> so do you. I have problems. And I've not been drinking wine or beer to try to push these problems away. I've been pouring out my soul to God. So do not take your servant as a wicked woman. For I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. This is a time for the Hannahs in the church to start praying in the middle of this pandemic. This is a time for the Hannahs in the church to start praying over the president, to start praying over the government, to start praying over pastors, over churches. This is a Hannah generation. This is a Hannah moment. Because there is barrenness right now. There is lack where there should be abundance in certain areas. Now, thank God we are seeing it happen in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I think God is using this house as a Hannah for the nations, that God is releasing a prophetic word. God is releasing a Samuel out of this house. Hannah did not realize that on the other side of her problem, God was going to conceive in her a prophet that would anoint King David, that through King David would come Jesus. If Hannah had not faced a problem, she never would have prayed for a breakthrough. Her rival and her irritation, what provoked her to get on her knees in prayer is what released out of her a prophetic voice for her generation. You won't tap into your potential until you face problems. And your problems are an invitation to prayer. And your prayer is going to release a prophetic word for your hour. Man, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Without a problem, without adversity, we stay in complacency. Without being provoked, we never begin to pray and to plead in desperation. The pain and the crisis that you are facing is meant to bring about something powerful in you and through you and for you. Why would God let someone provoke you? Because God has more for you. 
God has greater things in store for you. Maybe God allows you to see other people get blessed. Maybe God allows you to see other people experience favor. Maybe God allows you to be bothered a little bit that people with your same age, your same predicament, your same weight, your same problems are doing better than you. Maybe God is stirring you to say there is a fight for your destiny and it will not come staying in your comfort zone and it will not come staying in your dysfunctions and it will not come watching everyone else fulfill their purpose. God's wanting to stir you. He's wanting to provoke you. He's saying, Paul, you've become comfortable in areas in your life that I never intended for you to be comfortable in. So it's time to rise up. America, church, Paul, John, Ashley, Sarah, Ruthie, whoever you are, God's stirring you. God's promises and his potential and his level of pleasure that he wants you to walk in will require prayer, perseverance, preparation, patience, practice, pain, and problems to push you towards a process in order to see those promises come to pass. The question is, are you willing to work for it? Are you willing to plead for it? Are you willing to intercede for it? Are you willing to persevere for it? Are you willing to push for it? Because success starts with suck. Y'all are like, I did not see that coming. <laughs> no, seriously, look at the word, S-U-C-C-E-S-S. -S -S. Anyone who succeeded at anything will tell you it wasn't easy at first. I had to work for it. I had to pray for it. I had to practice for it. You don't just get a scholarship for doing nothing. You've got to contend for your purpose. Again, we live in a society where we're like, well, the grace of God is supposed to supply all things and I don't have to lift a finger. And God's saying that grace is empowerment for you to get up and do what I've called you to do. The reason why Daniel was protected in the lion's den is because Daniel was praying before he ever got thrown in the lion's den. The reason why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not burned in a fire but had the fourth man is because they had the courage to stand when everyone else was bowing down and shutting down and closing down. They just stood. They just stayed. They just... What I'm saying is God's looking for Peters who will step out of the boat and walk on water. He's looking for Pauls and Ruths that will move in the field before they see the favor. If you show up, God will show out. But he's looking for someone who will look at Goliath and say, I know you're a problem for all of my brothers. I know you're a problem for my entire nation. But for me, you are a platform for my destiny. So I'm about to turn this problem into potential. I'm about to release a capacity inside of me that the world has never seen seen. How do you look at your problems? For Hannah, she looked at her problem and she said, God, I need you to do something. I can't fix this. I can't fix my womb. I can't fix the area where I'm barren, but I know you can. And I'm going to weep and I am going to pray and I am going to do whatever it takes to see a breakthrough. Are you comfortable receiving God's answer if it's different than what you want? What if God said, Hannah, I'm going to give you a son but it's going to be a foster baby because you want to be a mom. I'm going to give you 10 babies that other people have given up. Are you comfortable? The, the question is, if you get frustrated and irritated enough with your condition and you begin to pray and you begin to cry out in desperation, God will answer, but God may answer in a way that you may not want at first. 
That's where you've got to come in with Proverbs 3, 5 and say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own reasoning, logic, understanding, and even personal desires. But instead, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths and he will make it straight. He will cause you to walk in favor. If you get your heart in alignment with God's heart, then whatever he answers, you will be excited about because he will answer. So here she is, she's praying. And Eli says, or she tells Eli, I was pouring my heart out to God. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. And Eli answers, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And she went her way and she ate something. I like that right there. I want to just speak that over you today. Go eat something. Y'all like, all right, I'll take that word. Some of you have been so perplexed by your problems, you just need to go eat something. You need to give it to God because you're in God's house right now. You're in God's presence. Just give it to God. Say, God, this problem has been frustrating me. This problem with my spouse, this problem with my finances, this problem with my health, this problem that I have on the inside that I don't want anyone to know about. But Lord, I'm going to give it to you. And then go eat something. So she goes and she eats something. It's a natural thing combined with the supernatural thing. And her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and they worshiped before the Lord and they went back to their home and they made love and the Lord remembered her. Come on, that's a good verse right there. Eat something, worship, and if you're married, go make love with your spouse. Come on, it's in the Bible. Don't get mad at me. Don't go out on this. This is the remedy you need right now. Elkanah loved his wife. And the Lord remembered her. In verse 20, in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant. Her problem led to her pregnancy. Her pregnancy never would have happened if she hadn't been provoked with a problem. What if God's wanting to birth something in you right now? What if God's wanting to stir you because he wants you to conceive something greater? And then... She gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel because I asked God, and he answered me. I want to give you real quickly eight things we can learn from our problems, eight things that we can learn from our problems. Number one, problems are predictable, but our response determines the unpredictable outcome. Jesus said, in this world, you will face problems. You will face troubles of many kind, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Problems are going to come, but the unpredictable part of it is how you will respond. There's a, a man named Nick Vujicek who has no arms, no legs, and by the time he was seven years old and he discovered all the other kids around him had arms and legs, it began to really hurt his self-esteem, his desire to live. He became suicidal as an eight-year-old boy just wanting to end his life, not knowing how to respond to that, that problem that he couldn't fix. But then somewhere between eight and nine years old, he decided to just fully surrender to God and say, God, I don't understand this problem, but I want to use it as a platform for your glory. At 10 years old, he started giving speeches in his area that he lived in Australia. His speeches went viral across the internet. By the time he was 15 years old, he was speaking to over a million people a year, live audiences. Today, Nick Vujicek is married. He has a son. 
He has fulfilled amazing things. Why? Because he responded to his problem with a desire instead of giving up. We, problems either paralyze us or they mobilize us. Problems will either get you to just sink down and go, man, this, this stinks and I'll never get past this. Or it says, man, I'm going to use this as a platform for God's glory. I'm going to turn this problem into a platform for what God wants to do. Problems are predictable, but our response determines the unpredictable outcome. Number two, problems are an opportunity to grow. They push us out of our comfort. I want the keys to come up. They push me out of the routine. They cause me to use tools that I forgot I had or finding tools that I never knew I had. Problems are an opportunity for me to grow. When David met Goliath, he met an opportunity to grow. When David faced a bear or a lion, he met an opportunity to grow. Some people would see it as a problem. For David, he saw it as an opportunity to grow. Our team was out witnessing yesterday, and uh, from our church, we had a, a group go out to go and witness and share, share the love of Jesus as they were passing out meals. And every car that came through the car line as they were giving out meals, 90% of the cars were being driven by um, Spanish-speaking people. And no one on our team spoke Spanish. <laughs> Everybody said, that's a problem, but that problem has potential. What did they do? They pulled out their phones and they began to learn how to witness in Spanish right on the spot. It stretched them. It stretched them outside their comfort zone. They could have given up. They could have gotten back in the van. They could have said, you know what? We're not able to witness because we, we have a language barrier here. But their problem became an opportunity to grow. Yesterday, they learned Spanish. I just wonder if some of the things we're giving up on, God's saying, if you only knew, I'm trying to grow you. I'm trying to stretch you. There's more inside you. Number three, problems will push me towards my purpose. Problems will push us towards our purpose. God's more committed to you fulfilling your purpose than you feeling comfortable. So he will allow you to be provoked, to be irritated, to be frustrated. Paul the apostle said, won't this thorn be pulled away from me? Can't I get rid of this irritation? It's provoking me. It's, it's frustrating me. I just, I need this thorn to go. Paul said, I pleaded three times for the irritation to leave and it wouldn't leave. And then God's word came. My grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. My strength is made perfect. So Paul said, I will boast all the more about my weaknesses because his strength, his grace is great on me. What if the problem is trying to push you towards your purpose? Number four, problems invite us to partner with God in prayer to receive his power. Hannah partnered with God in the middle of her problem. She went to the, the Lord's house and she began to pray. And what happened? She received his power. David began to pray and he received God's power. Daniel prayed. The disciples, when they were fishing all night and they caught nothing, John 21, it was a problem of, of lack, a problem of deficiency. Some of you, this is your bank account right now. You're looking at your bank account and you're going, I don't know how we're going to be able to afford this car, this house. I don't know if we're going to get through this. This problem is impossible, Paul. I'm, I'm all for your Michael Jordan sermon. I'm all for this, this message, but I just, I'm facing a problem that's impossible. The disciples were there. Paul and Silas were there. They were put in prison. There's a lot of peas in this message. Their problem put them in prison. Because politicians didn't like their preaching. Come on, I just got like seven Ps in one sentence. The politicians put them in prison because they didn't like their preaching. You could throw a man in prison, but you cannot 
take away his power because power is something on the inside. So Paul and Silas, they were put in prison, <laughs> but they begin to pray and they partnered with God and they got the power through their prayer and through their praise. Come on, somebody. When you have a problem, if you will begin to pray, my mom taught me at a young age how to pray in the spirit. My boys recently, they've been watching me pray in the spirit in the car. Y'all are like, oh no, I'm getting out of here right now. There's power in prayer. You could pray in your language, you could pray in the spirit. And once you realize that the Holy Spirit is, is not a discriminator, he doesn't you know, give one pe people gifts and not other people, he wants to give you the gifts of the spirit too. But there's power. And when I'm praying, I get clarity, I get peace. And then I start moving in power when I begin to pray. Paul and Silas, their shackles broke loose as they begin to pray. Prayer unlocks whatever has got you bound up. The problem that has you bound is going to be broke through in prayer. What was keeping Hannah barren, as she began to pray, something was breaking in the spirit. It breaks in the spirit before it breaks in the natural. She conceived in the spirit before she conceived in the natural. There was, she was conceiving a vision for her future, for her son, for her son's future. She said it in her prayer. She said, I will have a boy and no razor will touch his head and he will be a prophet to the nations. Her boy was Samuel. Samuel was the one who anointed David. Y'all know the story of Samuel. I love the book of Samuel, it's so good. Okay, so problems invite us to partner with God in prayer to receive his power. Number five, problems unlock our potential. Gideon in the Bible did not know what he was capable of doing until he had a problem. Gideon was facing an army that was 300 times bigger than his. It was Gideon plus 300 Israelites against 3 million of the other enemies that had gathered. It was multiple armies that had gathered against Gideon. But his problem unlocked his potential. Deborah in the Bible was a woman who would be known as a heroine. She went on to kill a, like a really wicked king because no man was willing to do it. All the men were afraid, but a woman rose up. When the men backed down, a woman rose up and she said, God, use me. And when you do, let the world know it was a woman who took down this, this evil, wicked king. And sure enough, we're all talking about Deborah 2,000 years later, but her problem unlocked her potential. Your problem is about to propel you towards your greatest potential. Number six, problems show us the importance of preparation for the desired harvest. In other words, the problem doesn't happen overnight. When there's a problem in your marriage, it doesn't just happen overnight. It, it's the culmination of preparation. The problem was preparing before you knew there was a problem. The problem was preparing itself. Little things, little things. It just finally stirred up and then it became a problem. And now you're at the counselor's office and you're saying, we got this problem. The problem with your son, it didn't happen overnight. It was just little things, little things, little things. Until finally, now you're at the principal's office. We got a problem here. And the problem prepared itself to become a problem. And in the same way, the answer is going to prepare itself to resolve the problem. That means every day when you pray, you are preparing for your harvest. Every day that you sow, every day that you do the opposite of what got you into the problem, all of a sudden you're about to see the harvest of the answer from the problem. Come on, I'm preaching to someone today. What helped Michael Jordan beat the Pistons was not one night getting this epiphany of I've got more capacity than they do. It was getting in the weight room. 
It was getting out on the court when the Pistons weren't practicing and just playing, practicing, just practicing. Just saying, I am not going to be beat next year. As you begin to prepare an off-season, you're about to see a harvest when the season comes. Number seven, problems remind us that God's promises will come to pass if we endure the process of patient perseverance to see the victory. Joseph had a dream that he would one day lead his family, that he would help people in the middle of a famine, that he would be a leader in a pandemic. And after he shares his dream, he's on, he's on cloud nine, he's so excited, he's thrown in a pit. Everybody say, that's a problem. Then he's sold as a slave, that's another problem. Then while he's working his tail off in Potiphar's house, he's accused of a crime he didn't commit that will keep him in prison the rest of his life because crimes like that, you don't get forgiven of. That's a big problem. But in the midst of all of Joseph's problems, Joseph persevered. And he held on to the promise that God would fulfill what he told him he would do. Even at the bottom of the prison, in the bottom of the pit, Joseph went through a process. There are certain promises that only come with a process. There are certain, I am walking in a promise today that came with a process you never saw. But if I had not walked through the process that you didn't see, I wouldn't be standing on the platform of a promise that you're seeing today. There are promises you will walk into because of the process you are walking through right now. God must have something really big for this generation because we all just walk through a very tough process. God must be getting ready to do something so powerful on the other side of this problem that you are faith. If you got a problem, God is setting you up for a victory. If you got a problem right now, God is prophesying this thing is a platform for your greatest potential harvest you've seen yet. Number eight. By the way, before I get to number eight, Hebrews six says we are confident of better things. Better things are coming. And, and by faith and patience, you will inherit the promise of God. Promises are fulfilled by the patient perseverance to see the victory. Number eight, will you stand up on your feet? Number eight, problems lose their power when I begin to praise. Problems begin to lose their power when I begin to praise. So we're gonna take two or three minutes and we're just gonna praise God. I want the band to come out. And I want us just to begin to sing this worship song. As you sing it, I want you to just cast your cares on the Lord. If you've got a problem, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to see yourself with God. You are partnering with God through your prayer and through your praise. You are gonna see that problem resolved in that relationship and your family and your health and your finances and your weight and your situation, whatever it is that you're going, man, I don't know how to come. God's about to give you victory. Let's just begin to worship. Go ahead, Rose. Set up for 
You know what's so wild? I, I contend for sermons when I am provoked. It's like God, God, God stirs me when I see things that I go, no, that, that's not right. And God says, all right, get in the word and put together an outline because someone needs to hear. God will use problems that I see in the world to provoke me as a pastor to preach in the middle of a pandemic against those things. I think a lot of the words we read in the Bible were people who were being provoked by a culture that was counterculture to God. And so they go, no, no, we got to write against this. Paul had to write 1 Corinthians because he was provoked by what he was seeing in society. Jude had to write this, this letter. And, and, and he says this, I feel to urge you to contend for the faith because there are ungodly people that are twisting grace in your churches. What was Jude doing? He was provoked. And so he was preaching out of the provocation. We preach better. We, we live better. We grow more when we are provoked. And I go, I mean, even last night, Sam and I were texting. Sam works on our staff. And he says, man, I'm seeing people post about this and post about that. And it's really provoking me to say something. I said, that's God. You need to say, I think some of us in this room, God is provoking you. And he's saying, come on. You need to stand up in your, in your work. You need, to, you need to pray for that. You need to contend for that. Christianity is an invitation to contend for the faith. It is not an invitation to sit back on a cruise ship, drinking martinis by the swimming pool, acting like, you know, we have no control. No, this is an invitation to a battlefield. This is an invitation to put on your armor, get ready to fight because there are antichrist spirits all through the world. And it's time for the church to wake Wake up! This pandemic has potential. This problem has potential. Your situation, it can go one way or the other, depending on how you respond. And I just, man, I, I feel stirred in my spirit that today God is awakening the giant inside you. He is saying that Goliath was not sent by Satan. That Goliath is an invitation for a platform for you to defeat it and give glory to God. I think God is gonna place opportunities in your path this week that's gonna cause you to pray. Pray before you post. Pray before you react. And as you're praying, God's gonna begin to give you a strategy and he's gonna stretch you and he's gonna grow you and it's gonna be out of your comfort zone. Some of you are gonna learn new languages this year. Some of you are gonna write books that you should have written 20 years ago, but, but today you got stirred. The hornet's nest got kicked and you're remembering there's dreams inside you that God's called you to fulfill. There's businesses, there's things he's stirring in you. And he's saying, come on, come on. I know you were dealt a bad hand, but so was he and he made the most. It's time to rise up, stop making excuses. It's time to put your faith into action. So I want us just to bow our heads and close our eyes. Before we dismiss today, if you're here right now, you're not right with God, you want to get right with God, just raise your hand. If you're not saved, you want to be saved, or you've drifted from God, today is your day. You don't know where you're going to spend eternity tomorrow, and you don't want to leave this room today without saying, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. If that's you, just raise your hand. Today, we want to welcome you to the family of God. We want to say there is grace for you. There is hope for you. There is salvation for you. There's forgiveness of sins. There is a life of eternal impact for you. Secondly, you're here today and you say, Paul, I know I'm right with God, I'm saved, 
but this message is stirring something in me and I need to get in alignment. I need to make these problems. I need to start following what you were preaching in that message, what Hannah did. I need to turn my problems into prayers. I need to begin to praise my way through a breakthrough in some areas. If that's you, if this message was challenging you in some way, I want you to raise your hand today. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, 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 yes. And I, I want to speak over those of you that are contending to have children. Yeah, I said that. I said that. Because there's this unspoken thought of, you can't go there, Paul. You can't go there. That's going to... You know what the enemy wants to do is he wants to keep the church from speaking on things that are really painful in people's lives so that we never touch it, so that he can just keep it in a painful place, in a sad place, in an unspoken place. But I want to pull that thing out right now. And I speak over every couple in the room that's been praying to get pregnant. In Jesus' name, I pray for supernatural miracles on her womb, on their, their desire to get pregnant. I pray in Jesus' name that this will be a year that the womb is open and barren no more. This will be a year of Hannah in, in people's lives this year. And I pray in Jesus' name what you did for Sarah in the Bible and Abraham, what you did for Hannah and Elkanah, what you did for Elizabeth in her old age. I thank you in Jesus' name that nothing is too impossible for you. Your hand is not too short, God, and you are not limited by what medical doctors say is impossible. I thank you, you're the great physician. So today in Jesus' name, I pray for miracles in the womb, miracles in the womb. And I pray, God, for the problems today that are unspoken. I pray for every family in the room, every couple in the room that's been facing problems and they don't know what to do about those problems. I pray that today something is broken in the spiritual realm. Something is releasing in the spiritual realm. There's about to be healing in homes, healing between mothers and daughters, fathers and sons, husbands and wives, healing in Jesus' name. And I pray in Jesus' name that there would be financial miracles. I just feel to pray against that spirit of lack, against that spirit of deficiency, that, that, that mindset of we're never going to get through this, we won't be able to pay the bills. I pray that today, God, what you said in Malachi would come to pass. What you said in Corinthians, that you will provide seed to the sower and you will bring abundance, God, on those who are truly willing to trust you and take you at your word. And I pray in Jesus' name that there would be windows of heaven that begin to open up. Favor from the north, south, east, and the west. And I pray that today you would unlock people's capacity, their potential. People who, who thought church was just this come and go religious check mark on the list, that today you're opening their minds, you're opening their hearts and you're using this house, you're using this word to stir the nest in them, to say there's more that God wants to do for you. There's more that God wants to do through you. There's more that God wants to do in you. So Lord, I pray for innovative ideas. I pray God that you would stretch us in ways we haven't been stretched and God that, that you would release out of us, God, like you did for Joseph, a, 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 an abundance to bless other nations. What you did for Joseph, God, you unlocked his capacity to feed the nations, to feed people in a famine. That whatever we're about to walk in is not just for us or about us. It is for the world that is in need around us. That we would be blessed to be a blessing. Just say this with me. Jesus, 
I'm all yours. I surrender to you. Have your way in me. I believe in you. And I want to walk in your ways. Give me courage, God, to face my problems with faith and have your power to see a breakthrough. And I will see the victory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I love you. God bless you.